It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and Cannabis Lifestyle Guide. If you listen to the show regularly, you know I've been getting nerdy with storytelling and messaging for as long as I can remember. I was an early nerd for words and their power to inspire and motivate. Of course, if spoken expressively in the right order with just the right tone and inflection. I mean, duh. I learned I could say the same thing a myriad of ways, each turn of phrase casting a subtle difference on the perceived intention of my message. I read lots of short stories and books, and I really loved inspirational quotes, books of them, and I copied down the ones that might set up an argument in persuasive speaking or make my essay shine in ready writing or help people remember the speech I was giving and not the fact that I'd stepped up on a wooden crate to be seen above the podium. I mean, seriously, that happened (laughs) a lot. I think I still, my senior year, giving a speech at graduation, I stood on a coat crate. That was always so embarrassing. (laughs) Finding my voice as a young storyteller felt easy. Finding my footing as an entrepreneur and discovering my place in the cannabis space? Well, shit, that's a whole other story. On Podcast 82, we explored careers in cannabis with serial entrepreneur Julia Jacobson, co-founder of Astor Farms. If you missed it, I highly recommend you go back and give it a listen. If, of course, you want a big-picture view of the realities of the California cannabis industry and how you might transition into the business side of our favorite plant. 
Through my personal experience over the past several years, I've learned that being in the flow of entrepreneurship is to accept failure often and sometimes being willing to pivot like you're being double teamed. I've also learned that as an entrepreneur, there's work to be done every day. (laughs) You heard me every day. That's why loving what you do and building personal time and laughter and wellness into every day is the magic fuel to keep on trucking. So if you're still struggling to find your niche as a cannabis industry professional, or you need a little inspiration to keep pushing forward, I think you'll appreciate today's conversation. Cal Razik is a strategist and serial entrepreneur based in Calgary, giving us his Canadian perspective on the cannabis industry and finding your place in it. So settle in, my friend, with a microdose of your favorite work weed. It's time to get casually baked and strategize on the business of Bud. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one. Cal, thank you so much for joining me on Casually Baked, the podcast. Thanks so much. I'm super excited to be here. I know. I feel like I kind of pulled you into something <laughs> and you don't even really know exactly what's going yeah, I know. on. Yeah, it's my first podcast. Podcast? I think I bribed you over that pizza <laughs> yeah, at Teatro the other day. So yeah, it was a good pizza, so, you know. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, see, I bribed you and here you are. So, on Podcast 82, yeah. I had a woman on who was a serial entrepreneur who loved cannabis. Right. Who had gotten into the business. And one of the things that we were talking about is how someone can transition their skill set from the regular world into yeah. the cannabis space. Mm-hmm. And so when you and I were talking the other day, I was like, oh my God, you're a perfect example of someone who's done that. So I wanted to start off and talk to you about your time as a strategist for EY Canada mm-hmm. and how your passion for pot kind of got you started on this journey that you're on right now. So I've been a strategist for about 10 years of my life, Uh, worked for a firm that was based out of Calgary and then worked for a bigger firm that was based uh, across Canada and then eventually about five years ago started working for uh, Ernst & Young Canada. Uh, Over there a lot of my focus has been uh, tech, has been consumer products and energy. And about two and a half years ago uh, I kind of hit that point where you know you've done a lot of this work over my life and wanted to explore something new. So I actually took a sabbatical, and in that sabbatical, uh, I started reaching out to uh, you know, different companies that were really interesting to me, and what I found was, as the cannabis industry was launching in Canada, that was where my passion was. Obviously, you know, a lot of people who know me personally know that I'm an early adopter since I've been 16, so I thought I'd put a lot of the skill sets that I've learned in the world of strategy and consulting towards an industry that I was interested in. And now that I've got, I created this space of about a year, I uh, started reaching out to different companies in the industry from retailers to data companies to producers and just going like, hey, you know, I've got this skill set. I'm super interested in applying it in the industry. And you know, is there anything I can work with, uh, with you? And so that started about this crazy year for me where you know I met with producers we talked about how they can you know leverage lessons that we've learned in oil and gas to improve their production so you know if you think about oil and gas 
their metric is you know dollars per barrel when you think about cannabis their metrics are you know do dollars per gram right mm -hmm. so did a little project there started working with a data company and started looking at consumer trends and how do you build you know just exactly like cosmetics like drinks like alcohol you look at what consumers like and you start building your strategy backwards to create the products that actually resonate with them so spent a whole year doing that, met a lot of cool people in the industry, got the opportunity to actually even present on some of the neat projects that I worked on. And then eventually when I got back from my sabbatical, I started pitching to kind of the practice leader for strategy across Canada and going like, hey, can we get into cannabis? Can we get into cannabis? Can we get into cannabis? And I'd say, you know, the initial uh, reaction was what you would expect, right? Some, yeah. some hesitance. Uh, not a lot of folks, you know, were exposed to it in the past, and it is a new. It was a new industry in Canada, and, and still, we're just less than totally, a year in. Right? So yeah. it's still a baby. <laughs> Definitely, yes. Like, uh, so, uh, you know, started having those conversations, and it was actually showing the stats that convinced everybody to, you know, for us to jump into this space. And you know, the biggest stat was the fact that cannabis is bigger than wine and coffee in Canada, right? So yeah. Already. Yeah, it is huge. Yeah. Like the expected size of the industry was about $9 billion only in Canada. So that was a bit of a convincing stat. And eventually I was given the green light to do a couple of things. So I worked with the team and we wrote this uh, point of view on the launch of retail in Canada. So we outlined the lessons that we've learned in other industries about retail and what should cannabis retailers keep in mind as they launched their businesses. So we, you know, we wrote that piece of paper, launched it across Canada, and that led to our first project in the, Canada, in the strategy space, which and is so building. so Enwise letting you lead the charge. <laughs> like you're in charge of this uh, stuff, right? So I was for a period of time. Okay. And then through kind of all the connections, I started realizing that I wanted to dive even deeper into the space, you know, started, ex wanted to experiment with a lot of different things. So I actually resigned from EY about a year ago and okay. just started working with a lot of you know the people that I've met through my journey. So working with an American company to redesign their operations. Uh, today, I'm actually working with a Colombian company to figure out what their market development strategy is and how do they raise capital and how do they get into Canada, <laughs> right? So, so started in, at Ernst & Young and just developed into this crazy race across kind of North America and South America right now. That's so awesome. So you got ENY turned on to cannabis and then you yeah. left him? <laughs> <laughs> left him high and dry. Are, you no. they, are they keeping you on as a consultant still? Uh, so I do go back every now and then and okay. support different projects. Uh, so, you know, the network there has been uh, phenomenal, right? They've uh, supported me through my journey as a strategist when I was there and they kind of continue to support me as I explore all these different you know things across the industry as well and you know every now and then when things get too big for myself they're definitely a place yeah. where a lot of the people that i meet you know i kind of point them towards that's outstanding yeah. so this white paper that you did on mm -hmm. the retail sector right. yeah. is there any highlights that you can share based on like you know we're still so young totally. into this but there's yeah. so much learning to be done and for yeah. people to really do a better job what if, what sure. came out of that yeah. I'd say the biggest one is, um, you know, figure out who you're building for and, and build for that. Like often uh, what I've seen or, you know, what, what you could see across is uh, everybody wants to be everything for everybody, right? 
you yeah. know, you want to be a luxury cannabis store, but also have, you know, cheaper products to you know, align to folks who can't spend that much, right? Mm -hmm. And it becomes so difficult to manage all these, call it like verticals and what yeah. your personality. Yeah, like personalities, types of consumers, products. So as you see more products come into the market, like, you know, you, you can't have everything in your store with a limited footprint. So right. what we always say is, you know, figure out who you want to be and just essentially build for that. So, you know, whether you are a product leader, so you've always have the best of the best, or you are a cost leader, so, you know, you're always curating products that are cost conscious, mm -hmm. or, um, you know, you are a customer intimate setting. So, you know, people call it like the Apple store of cannabis, right? right. Or the Tiffany's of cannabis, or the 7-Eleven of cannabis. Like, yeah. there's nothing wrong with either one of them, but right. figure out which one you want to be and that should drive where your locations are, it should drive your marketing, it should drive the type of staff and the products that you carry. Absolutely, and that's proactive right. creation. And I think there's so many people that were just hustling to get licenses, so now they're reactively yeah. trying to figure out who yeah. the hell they are. Totally. So, yeah, yeah you it's are probably good. staying super busy. Uh, mm -hmm. Can you wanna highlight some of the, the brands that you're working with right now, or is this all like, under wraps. Yeah, it's under wraps. I wish, right? <laughs> like, there's a lot of cool things that we've been working on. Uh, you know, with a major retailer that is rolling out their stores across Canada, we've been, uh, we found a uh, handcraft maker based out of Los Angeles that have been creating these super cool pipes for them. So they'll be, you know, hitting stores in the next month or so. Uh, and, you know, another one we've been working on custom design journals for them to guide their consumers as they come through the store and go through that journey of exploration with different types of strains, right? So it's a lot of cool products that we've been working on with different retailers. And, you know, maybe I'll send you an email there down the go. line going like, hey, Joe, check it out. You know, hit the store. I can finally tell you who it is. And yeah, and feel free to send me samples. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's the best part, right, of doing work. In the right, I know, samples. I know. Yeah, I get mad when I actually have to go into a dispensary and buy something. So one thing that I love that you're doing is mm -hmm. um, the Alberta Cannabis Collective. Yeah. So that's the leading cannabis retail association yes. in Canada. Mm -hmm. And you happen to be the chairman and director. Yeah. We're so busy. So tell me about the state of the cannabis retail industry. We kind of dived a little yeah. bit, but what are you learning through that? Yeah, so the ABCC is primarily focused here in, uh, in Alberta. Right. Um, so, you know, I would say over the last year or so, the rollout across Canada has been uh, variable. Different provinces ro rolled out different frameworks. Uh, the uptake has been completely different. And uh, our focus has been here in Alberta, trying to make it the retail standard, hopefully across the globe. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd say the rollout in Alberta has been uh, the, the biggest. We've got the biggest footprint in Alberta right now in terms of retail stores. I believe the last numbers I checked, we have over 250 retail stores across Alberta versus okay. you compare it against other provinces. Ontario, for example, has 25, right? And, uh, and you know, other provinces, probably less than, less than 50, if I remember correctly. What do you think that big difference <clears throat> is? I think it's been the proactive uh, nature of our government system here in Alberta and the cities that supported it. So even before the regulations came out, they had a lot of consultations with uh, potential future store owners, with uh, the public in terms of how do they want to see it roll out. 
and what are those um, call it? Uh, what is the framework and policies and standards? What should they be? Uh, they've also taken a page out of how alcohol is regulated and applied a lot of those lessons and and just rolled it out pretty fast, right? And so that's been, I'd say, th the main reason why we're uh, so ahead. It's just using mm -hmm. lessons learned from you know industries that we've been part of and mm -hmm. you know been super established and uh, and just hearing what the people want mm -hmm. and kind of applying those and, and going with it. Um, I think it probably mm -hmm. doesn't hurt too that there's yeah. more of a clean slate here totally. than say in BC. Yeah, yeah, you're definitely 100% right about that. Um, you know, BC definitely had dispensaries open way before legalization. Um, you know, they have, I'd say, they probably had one of the most sophisticated black or gray market uh, economies across the globe, right? Mm -hmm. They had the entire value chain from production to distribution to retail, and it was like right in front of you. You could just right. walk around the corner and you're at a the dispensary. The Amsterdam of North America. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. right? Versus here in Alberta, we didn't, we didn't have a lot of that, right? So we're mm -hmm. starting from a clean slate. Everything was built up. There's not like a lot of expectations built, as opposed to in BC, you know, consumers were already used to what was happening. And honestly, you know, when I talked to folks in BC, some of them even went like, oh wow, like I didn't even realize this was not legal, right? They just kind of, it was just part of their normal life. Right. And, and they just went with it, right? <laughs> yeah, they're like, wait a minute, you legalized <laughs> cannabis, but now I can't have those yeah. edibles in my vape pen anymore? Like I'm confused. I like I thought it was legal for the last 15 years. Right, right? <laughs> totally. Which province has the biggest room for growth and improvement? I would say all provinces equally, right? It's like even though we have a huge retail footprint here, um, you know, there's not a lack, uh, a, a lack of, uh, of challenges. A lot of the regulators, be it provincial or federal, have gone with the approach of hyper-regulation and slowly letting it loose, right? And, and it totally makes sense because, you know, if, if you kind of open the floodgates and reel it back, people are going to riot. Right. Well, and it seems very Canadian to be like, yeah. hmm, yeah. we're going to be slow and thoughtful about this, totally, and we're going right? to drip feed you this stuff until we get to where we think yeah, it's made Yeah, well. we'll see what works, and then we'll keep yeah. going with it, right? Uh, so everyone's been taking that approach. I, you know, honestly, I think everyone has a lot to learn from, uh, from other places, right? Mm -hmm. So looking at Denver and looking at how they regulate uh, branding, how they regulate dosage, and then taking those lessons learned and bringing it here and applying them. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, I think I am the most excited about, call it like retail 2.0, where, uh, you know, you don't just go to the, the, you know, the cannabis stores here and just buy products behind a shelf, right? Yes. Actually getting the opportunity to, to hold it, see it, yeah. smell it, Romance touch the it. Product. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, have a little date before you leave. <laughs> and, and you can't do that right now. Like you're standing behind uh, glass, behind product boxes, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that, you know, And they, that's, all the boxes look the same. They, they all so look the like, same. So it's like, what am I doing? They, they what am I looking same. for? Yeah, right? Like, how do you tell the difference between each one, right? So, so to me, that's retail 2.0, and you know, I'm excited to see w what that looks like and where that goes. And then there's like retail 3.0, where you know, do we ever get to the point of differentiated stores? So, can you go to a store that's only topicals? Can you go to a store that's only serves food? Can you go to a store where you can buy and consume at the same time? Mm -hmm. So, you know, everyone's going to go through that evolution, and right now we are in like phase barely phase one, right? Yeah. And, and you said it, like, 
it's been less than a year and we're all learning and mm -hmm. so everyone has the same distance to, to travel. So what are those steps that you take? So mm -hmm. in order to progress from retail 1.0 to 2.0, are there right. things that consumers, like are there cages to rattle, or is this something that we just have to yeah. play within the regulatory framework? Oh. And, you, and you know, how are you pushing that the way we do in the state? And, and I think that is a space where consumers and associations like the ABCC can play a strong role in. So, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that we've done in the past is we've aggregated retail, uh, we've aggregated points of views from different retailers into a single study to understand, you know, what are their pain points mm -hmm. and then communicating that with the regulators over here. Uh -huh. So, you know, it, that obviously creates some efficiencies in the system and helps regulators understand what's going on right absolutely so, and, and there's power in numbers and if yeah. you have the if you have the ear of the people that are the ones that are making the change how do different mm -hmm. businesses get involved in the abcc i think they just have to go to our website send us an email and <laughs> you know we're we are a very welcoming group our uh you know our mandate is to turn alberta into the world benchmark for retail so anyone that wants to you know if that resonates with you join the ABCC and you know we've been uh, we've been trying to stay away from being a lobbyist group we've been trying to just collect data share it and create this open forum for ideas mm -hmm. and collaboration and you know innovation hopefully down the line absolutely and it's so important in the beginning phases of anything mm -hmm. that people consider you know that neighboring retailer yeah. like we're in this together yeah. we're figuring this out together yeah. you are not my competitor at this point totally, like we have right? to be in this together yeah you have to be in this together you know i, I believe there was a term coined somewhere it's co-ompetition right so you're cooperating and you keep competing at the same time and and this it sounds is like a, a strategist uh, that. <laughs> i don't know maybe it's me maybe it's someone else I'm not really sure. maybe you were high yeah, yeah all the best ideas come that time oh right? my god yeah yes. so you know it's all the retailers can work together share mm -hmm. best practices it actually sets the whole industry up for success and and that's how we want to start things you know canada is the first g7 country to legalize cannabis from a federal perspective mm -hmm. and everyone's watching so it's, it's just human nature bad players that story gets resonated and just everyone yeah. sees it right mm -hmm. no matter what it is and you can have 10,000 or you know 99% of the industry could be all good players and the 1% that's off is what hits the news because yeah. that's what drives clicks yeah so of course yeah right so the onus is on the retailers to work together and make sure we are all good players you know we, we all comply we all provide the right type of education to consumers and we all set up stores that are uh, welcoming and uh, you know, appreciated by everyone. Right. When you said education, you and I both agree mm -hmm. that education is the thing that is needed to create a strong and vibrant and sustainable cannabis right. industry. Right. And you know, I I was here visiting with someone back in the spring, and they had talked about some cannabis conference happening, right. yeah. an educational conference, and they mm -hmm. wanted to attend, but consumers couldn't attend. Only people yeah. in the industry. Oh. How are people supposed to understand and learn about cannabis totally. when yeah. Health Canada is so restrictive yeah. on the educational piece? Yeah, you know, you're you're a hundred percent right about that, right? Everything starts with with education, and everyone uh, 
in the cannabis space has a role to educate the public, has a role to educate their friends, has a role to educate their family. Uh, you know, everyone who uh, is not in this space is also, you know, should get educated on it, right? Like, it is a new industry, it's, it's happening right now, and we can't just turn a blind eye, right? So, right. you know, I, I know universities are getting involved, you know, I do teach in one of the programs here in Calgary, um, you know, conferences are being launched, like, everywhere to educate, um, you know, the people in the industry. Uh, I do know there are conferences specific to consumers, but, uh, but you know, I think they, they have to be more than, you know, a lot of show and tell, right? You know, educating people on uh, growing methods might be interesting, right? I know people want to know how their product is being grown educating people on the potential uh, impact, mm -hmm. right? You know, start low and go slow, right? Is yeah. like an industry known saying, but not a lot of people know that. Educating on different products and consumption methods. Everybody still thinks the only way to smoke, smoke cannabis smoke. is yeah. roll a joint. Roll a joint. <laughs> so let's talk about the, yeah. the program that you're doing at Mount Royal University. Mm -hmm. What is that cannabis educational yeah. program? What's it all about and who's it for? Yeah, so, uh, so it is a really interesting program. I am so glad to have been involved in it. Uh, it is actually a full-on program that uh, teaches uh, either entrepreneurs or uh, business leaders who are either curious about the industry or are already in the industry to kind of create a foundation for them. So I teach the business strategy and startup course. So okay. it teaches you about you know, how do you write a business plan? What are the key metrics and kind of important pieces of regulation to ensure that you are compliant. There is another course as well that teaches about marketing. Like, yes, it is restrictive, but there are areas that you can still you know, do some marketing, right? So mm -hmm. it's teaching about that, teaching about brand design, and there's a course about production, so about you know, growing it, having a facility, and, and you know, starting from, from a seed all the way till you have a product. What about just a basic Cannabis 101? <laughs> Does that exist yet? So actually, unfortunately, not in this program. Mm -hmm. uh, but that, that actually has been one of the things that I've been interested in exploring or figuring out and, and just putting it out there. Yeah. Like I do find a lot of organizations have their own versions of Cannabis 101, mm -hmm. right? But you know, can we as an industry come as a whole and create this standardized global Cannabis 101 yeah. to, to educate everybody. Like, hey, I've done know. a lot of the legwork. <laughs> Why don't we just collaborate? Just like right after this, we should start writing Cannabis 101 for everybody, I'll, right? I'll throw you my resource guide. That'll be our, that's a good foundational starting yeah, yeah, point. Yeah. Is there like empirical testing to make sure that? <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, I've got 22 years of anecdotal evidence. So, I mean, I yeah. think I know what I'm talking about. But you know, I think it's even yeah. just those little things about sharing with someone, mm -hmm. what are the pros and cons of each of these methods of consumption? Totally, right? You know, like what what is a microdose? What mm -hmm. are the keys yeah. to having a positive experience? Right. What does cannabis for wellness right. look like? Yeah, and when you puff, puff, pass, do you, do you pass to the right or do you pass to the left, And it's right? different <laughs> in every culture. It is. I lived in uh, Bologna, Italy for yeah. a year and a half and yeah. the very first night I got scolded oh, really? for like reaching going, and oh. they're like no 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 that's not how this goes here <laughs> we will pass when it's time to pass i love it right so you're right right like 
the different consumption methods, right? You know, mm -hmm. microdosing is huge, and and I don't, I, I feel like not a lot of folks are talking about it. Like yeah. probably in the states, there's a lot more of that, but over here, you know, I don't think I've heard that word more than five times in the last two months. But that is definitely a way. That, like it's a good entry point, right? Oh yeah, I built my education around. You know, I tell people there are three keys to having a positive yeah. experience with cannabis. Mindfulness, microdosing, and your willingness to experiment. Because it's just like any other drug. I mean, you, you don't just automatically know what your antidepressant deep, right? dose is going to be or your sleeping pill. I mean, yeah. We have to like find yeah. our sweet spot, whether or not it's Eastern, Western medicine, yeah. pharmaceutical yeah. drugs, plant medicine. For sure, right? Yeah, and it's, uh, it's dosage. It is uh, type, right? It's mm -hmm. you know you, you want to look at the terpene profile. You want yeah. to look at the CBD and THC content, mm -hmm. right? And you you know what I find is like everyone talks about it like it's binary, right? Like THC is going to do this yeah. and CBD is going to or do sativa's that. Or sativa is doing this, yeah, and, right? you know, and yeah. a hybrid will do this and indica, and it's like you have to understand how nuanced it is, how nuanced the yeah. plant is. Yeah the terpene cannabinoid profiles, yeah. plus how right. precious snowflakes we are and yeah. how our like how bodies our body, are all different. Yeah, whether or not we ate right before <laughs> we're consuming. I mean, right. it's it's yeah. all crazy. And I just, I think that's the biggest red flag I mm -hmm. see in the Canadian legalization yeah. is mm -hmm. that they're not giving the educational piece yeah. the reverence it deserves and needs to really boost yeah. the industry. Yeah, and that, that I would say has been the biggest uh, challenge from a retail rollout, especially for newer or curious consumers. Mm -hmm. Like when you go in, how do you know what's right for you if they can't really tell you, mm -hmm. right? But that also comes, you know, at the other side of the scale. How do you tell someone something when all you have is this collection of anecdotal information? So. I would say the biggest win for Canada right now is we, because it is legal, we can actually conduct real studies yes. and yes. get science behind what people are saying, mm -hmm. right? Like, what if, you know, what all the benefits that everybody has talked about in the past through anecdotal, you know, experiments or what they've heard can now be validated through actual clinical studies and through science, right? Yeah. And, I think as a country, we should start doing more of that, right? Absolutely. More, more studies, published papers, actually understand what cannabis can be used for from a medical perspective and from a health and wellness because, you know, it is, you know, I use it as part of my own normal day-to-day -day mm -hmm. lifestyle in terms yeah. of managing stress, in terms of, you know, yeah. when I'm just having a bad day, it just... It's nature's multivitamin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it definitely is. And, and everyone is looking for a natural uh, alternative to things. And if cannabis can provide that uh, medium, uh -huh. then you know, I, I think we should start looking into that a lot, a lot more, launching more studies. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to see producers working with universities to fund these studies and working with government to ensure that any findings kind of come out and are shared with everybody. And, you know, actually start differentiating between what has been anecdotally shared and what is science proven. Yeah. I'm so glad we've got one of ours on the inside. <laughs> I like one the work many. you're doing. It's yeah. really important. Yeah. And, you know, I love that, mm -hmm. that you are 
true cannabis culture, you have an interesting viewpoint because you're a strategist, but you're also an end user. And so you're like, okay, I know what I want to see when yeah. I walk into a dispensary. So what can I do to make sure it gets here? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's selfish, but it's worth it, yeah, right? Yeah, no, I've, uh, it's definitely been an amazing journey and I love it. Awesome. Before we wrap, is there anything mm -hmm. that's important happening right now that you think we should touch on or something that perhaps I didn't ask you that you think is important? Yeah, I think the next wave of products are going to be um, you know, legalized in Canada, like edibles uh, coming this October. Fingers crossed, you know, sometimes we get these timelines and they're off by a few months. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, they are coming on online in, uh, late this year, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I think this is a good opportunity to kind of start sharing feedback to all the different uh, players in the industry, be it uh, government, like what do you want to see, what's important to you, uh, share it with associations, you know, the ABCC are, is going to be looking into that. So, you know, share your feedback and thoughts uh, about that. And, um, you know, I know Health Canada occasionally launch surveys uh, to ask for feedback. From the Gen Pop? Yeah, from okay. the Gen Pop, okay. right? Uh, I'm not 100% sure if the Edibles one has already been uh, closed. Okay. But, you know, I would tell everyone to, who is interested in the industry and want to contribute, you know, Gen Pop or not, uh, mm -hmm. to always look for these feedback forms, whether it is from our city when they come to regulate or from Health Canada when they're looking at creating new regulations. So just check okay. the websites add your input. We'll add these and, to the show share. notes. Yeah. So people it's have huge. easy access to them. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you what, nobody knows what they're doing. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's new, right? Cannabis retail is new. Cannabis production is new. Cannabis regulation is new. So the more each person or individual can add their two cents, eventually we're going to have a lot of two senses. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, it's just like, you know, going on a job interview. I mean, yeah. Are we ever really qualified for the job we're going after? You know, yeah, it's like yeah. there's a bit of that fake it till you make it. Totally. But right? we want that to be highly responsible. You know? For sure, right? And, and the more information any of these entities have through sharing from the public, the more data points they have to make a, call it like a sensible, logical, data-informed decision. Absolutely, and it doesn't matter where you live. It's mm -hmm. being willing to share your story and right. ask questions yeah. and not just sit and wait for something to happen. Yeah. Like be Proactive. willing to be a part yeah. of that change that you want to see in yeah. your community or province. Yeah, yeah, I think huge. Yeah. 100%. All right, high five. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah. There are a couple of things I really want you to take away from my conversation with Cal. First, if you work in a mainstream industry like finance, food, or hospitality, and you see an opportunity to integrate the business of cannabis into your company, and you want to be a part of it, man, speak up. Take the bull by the horns. Do your homework. Put together a plan and present your idea. It worked for Cal. It's worked for me throughout my career, and I guarantee inspired employees boost their personal happiness and the bottom line way more than disgruntled ones who silently hate their job and cuss the boss under their breath. Son of a bitch, what are you asking me to do? Fuck off. Oh my God, I'm tired of this job.
Yeah, we've all been there. Second, if you're a business owner considering transitioning your mainstream product or service to focus on cannabis or hemp, please know that if you don't understand the plant and respect cannabis culture, it's noticeable to those of us who do. And it'd be a whole lot cooler if you did. So be proactive and sign up for some structured cannabis coursework. There are so many online opportunities available to learn the ins and outs of the cannabis plants as well as the business of bud. If you educate yourself and really know what you're talking about, there is a place for you to shine in whatever capacity you choose. I'll share links to some reputable cannabis education resources in the show notes at casuallybaked.com. The best entrepreneurs never stop learning. If this episode of the podcast filled in a blank or sparked something for you, I hope you'll pass it on to an aspiring entrepreneur in your life. I'll keep sharing what I discover here, as well as in the casually baked friends and family newsletter that I rarely talk about because I'm admittedly shitty at sending it out. But I guess on the bright side, that means I'm not blowing up your inbox like the 4th of July. You're welcome. (laughs) You can sign up at casuallybakes.com. You can also keep up with my goings on via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. I'm at Casually Baked. Thank you for continuing to ask your can of curious questions and for sharing your personal experiences with me. And I love receiving your follow-ups. I like knowing how your Cannabis for Wellness journey is unfolding. Like Kyle from Podcast 58's Q&A, who recently messaged me an update on his experience. Hey Joe, in June, I found out why my body was struggling so bad. My left kidney had a big old cancerous tumor. I was so thankful that I'd already started down the road using cannabis for wellness. And I am officially a card-carrying medical marijuana patient. Surgery is next week to remove the kidney, which looks to be contained. I foresee my next month during recovery listening to Jopra to fill in the hours of stillness. What a great way to recover. Keep up the great work. Thank you for sharing your voice with the world and inspiring all of us to just be better humans. Kyle's surgery is the day this episode airs, so what do you say? Will you join me in sending a dose of healing mojo to our friend Kyle? I want him to feel a wave of love from his casually baked tribe that sets him up for a speedy recovery. While you're feeling the love, don't be shy. Share some of your sweet poetry in a casually baked review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Your participation helps spread highly responsible info about the modern cannabis culture with the world. Thanks for doing your part to Puff Puff Pass It On. Casually Baked, the podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? Right. 
I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.